This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. This past Veterans Day commemorates all Americans who served in our armed forces. Originally called Armistice Day, it was to mark the ending of the First World War, which concluded in the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in the year 1918, 100 years ago. In 1954, Congress changed its designation to Veterans Day. What does service mean for Lutherans? Chaplain Craig Mueller, Executive Director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces, talks about it on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys, representing floral artist Baronel Stutzman of Arlene's Flowers in Richland, Washington, filed their opening brief yesterday with the Washington State Supreme Court. The brief on behalf of Stutzman comes after the U.S. Supreme Court vacated a state high court's previous ruling against her and ordered the Washington court to reconsider the case in light of the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision. In the Masterpiece case, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed Colorado's decision to punish cake artist Jack Phillips for living and working consistently with his religious beliefs about marriage, just as Stutzman has also been trying to do while under legal attack by Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson and the American Civil Liberties Union. The two sued Stutzman after she declined, because of her faith, to personally participate in or design custom floral arrangements celebrating a same-sex wedding of a customer whom she had served for nearly 10 years. Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant lamented how many unborn African-American babies are aborted during a press conference held on Monday. The pro-life governor asked why there's no outrage in the media about what he calls the genocide of 20 million African-American children. National Right to Life President Carol Tobias joined him at the conference, as well as U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. Democratic Congresswoman Kirsten Sinema has emerged victorious in Arizona's hotly contested Senate battle. Following a hotly contested race for both candidates led in differing polls, Sinema, Arizona's 9th Congressional District Representative who supports abortion up to birth, defeated Republican Congresswoman Martha McSally after nearly a week since Election Day. Lutherans in Papua New Guinea are celebrating 70 years since the arrival of Lutheran missionaries in the Enga province of Papua New Guinea, an event which led in time to the founding of the Gotinius Lutheran Church. A celebration was held October 31st through November the 3rd in Yermanda, that's the site where the missionaries to the region first arrived. The event featured several guest speakers highlighting both the history of the Lutheran missions to the Enga region, missions to Siasi Island, and the 500 first anniversary of the Reformation. The GLC also presented representatives of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod with sand art portraying the missionary giving a Bible to an Enga man, symbolizing the coming of LCMS missionaries to Yaramanda on November the 2nd, 1948. Dutch authorities have started their first-ever judicial proceedings for a breach of euthanasia laws. According to a statement by the public prosecutor in The Hague, a doctor gave a severe dementia sufferer a secret dose of a sedative right before obtaining approval for the procedure. The Medical Complaints Board has already found the doctor guilty. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. 
Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. This is World Lutheran News Digest. This is Всемирный Лютеранский Новость. I'm Kip Allen, World Lutheran News Digest host. My guest today is Chaplain Craig Mueller, who's the Executive Director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces. All Lutheran chaplains in the military go through him. Well, we had just passed a, a certain milestone. It was 100 years ago on the 11th day of the 11th month, the 11th hour when the guns fell silent in World War I. It originally was known as Armistice Day and has since become Veterans Day. Craig, I know that you served in the military. You were a captain in the Navy, and of course you still are very, very active with the chaplaincy. What is Veterans Day to a veteran? What does it mean to you? Well, I think uh, Veterans Day is a special day in America, as you just pointed out, especially this year with the... Uh, Hundredth anniversary of the armistice, but I think it's a good thing that our country has done is to put all the veterans celebrations on this day to remember all who wore the nation's uh, uniform to serve our nation selflessly. I think it just means that um, you know a lot of them are sh- uh, are I would say probably humble and quiet, don't like all that attention that sometimes they get on Veterans Day. You know, everyone uh, to say thank you for your service, but. Deep down, I think a lot of our veterans really do appreciate it because it was a selfless service that they did. And, you know, people come from all different walks of life who raise their hand and serve our nation. You know, prior, it was because of the draft, but they still went and did their duty. Now it's an all-volunteer force, of course, as you know. And it's still the selfless Americans who raise their hand and say, yes, I will do that. I will answer the call and serve my nation, whether it be for two years, three years, or, or 40 years, you know, depending on how God leads them. So I think it's a, a great thing that our country continues to do is just to, to take a day and remember and give thanks to all those who served our nation faithfully and honorably. I'm old enough to remember as a kid, it was still Armistice Day. They changed it from that to uh, to Veterans Day back in the 1950s. And I still remember there would be the veterans uh, selling poppies, little plastic poppies, do you recall that? Yeah. Or, or, or what? I guess that? Well, in fact, I was coming back from the Rural Ministry Conference where I did a presentation, and I drove through my uh, school uh, town where I went to high school in Concordia, Missouri, and they were on the street corner selling poppies. So I actually got one yesterday ah. on the way through. So I sure do remember that. Yeah, that was uh, from a British poem, I believe, uh, in Flanders Field. I think it's in Flanders Field, the poppies grow row on row. Yeah. So what... Is the religious implication here for for Lutherans for Christians? We, you know, there 
we do have exemptions in the military from certain groups. For example, Quakers are not required to serve even in time of war. But we as Christians, I think, recognize an obligation. We Lutherans especially recognize an obligation to protect our society. Is this part of the thing that we need to remember on Veterans Day? I think so, Kip. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, as Lutherans, we have always been taught the, the two realms, the two kingdoms where we are citizens on earth here, and God has placed for us who are in America in this vocation as a citizen of America. But also, of course, we are citizens of heaven by the grace of God, for Christ's sake, through faith, and in our baptism, that's where our identity is. It's so important for us as uh, Lutherans to continue to educate and serve that you can do both. In fact, you are expected to serve your neighbor and love your neighbor. And if your nation is calling that they need men and women to serve in the military, to defend our borders, to defend our nation, to punish evil, as Romans 13 talks about, it's absolutely meet right and salutary for a Lutheran American citizen to raise their hand and join and should be encouraged to because they can make a huge impact and influence on those who they serve with but also to give a clear testimony of the gospel of Christ as they serve honorably. And this brings into mind the uh, the role of the chaplaincy in the military. You know, the we've had them from the very beginning. In fact, I think the, one of the very first chaplains in, was in the uh, Revolutionary Army, uh, who was a Lutheran, inter, inter, uh, by the way. Uh, but what is the lesson of, not just the lesson, what is the importance of the chaplaincy within the armed forces? It's critical, Kip, because, um, you know, our, our country does do a great job with our, uh, our leaders, despite the, you know, political fights here and there. Um, for the most, we do give our men and women the best equipment. We train them the best we possibly can uh, for war and different kinds and types of war. We buy them the best protective gear that we could possibly buy. And we're always improving that, and we, we make them mentally tough through uh, boot camp and through other, you know, trying events and with leaders who, who lead them. But one of the big parts that chaplains bring is that spiritual fitness. And that's really critical. And I think all the service branches today see the value of that spiritual fitness of chaplains being there to take care of the troops. Now, granted, many people will redefine spiritual fitness in their own way. But of course, as we as Lutherans know, what spirituality really is, you know, how we live in our saved by the grace of God, for Christ's sake, through faith, and through our personal our remembrance of our baptism and, and uh, living the way God wants us to live, to love God and love our neighbor. You know, the spirituality, spiritual fitness is to continue to be disciplined, to keep our personal devotions, our ourselves in the Word, and chaplains bring that, because chaplains will deploy with our service members, they will go to the training events with them, they're with them 24-7 to provide that spiritual care and spiritual fitness that they need to walk them through, through some difficult times. And I like to say to my troops when I was in the, as a Navy chaplain, it's like, I'll, hey, I'm here as your chaplain. I will walk with you, talk with you, pray with you, cry with you, whatever we can to get you through your mission. The very concept of, of, of the military involves controlled violence. And there is, obviously, there's a, a, a huge chance for things to go wrong, uh, for, for it to be misused. Do chaplains, uh, excuse me here, do chaplains uh, also provide the moral guidance to the to the troops, you know, to say, you know, you're out there with the gun, you want the following orders, but there is a higher order. Know what you're doing. 
Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we do have a lot of lawyers now. We kind of kid each other once in a while about the, the JAG office of lawyers and the chaplains because the lawyers do teach you on laws of war, the rules of engagement. But everything that is legal may not be moral. So we do work closely with our commanders as chaplains and our lawyers to be there as advisors to our leadership to remind them there may be situations where, okay, it may not be illegal, but is that the right thing to do? If you can bring that in, you know, from Scripture and from our understanding of the moral code, if you will, of, you know, taking care of our neighbor. So absolutely, I think every commander, I know for every commander I've ever served with, for my chaplains, what I hear, they still have a an open-door policy where their commanders are open to hear some guidance and advice on some difficult situations or decisions that they have to make. Of course, as we're a non-combatant, so we don't get involved in the targeting plans, you know, of what what to blow up and what not to blow up, but we can give the uh, huge uh, background of, well, maybe this isn't such a good idea if this is a religious uh, event, or maybe you know, you got men and women in your unit who may take exception to that. I mean, the sky's the limit of the issues, and of course, as a chaplain, it's all about relationships, so a lot of times that counseling goes on with your service member one-on-one behind closed doors. You know, they may come back from a mission and didn't feel comfortable with what happened, or they got to see some bad things, or they did some bad things, or and they just want to process that, and they can do that with their chaplain and confidentiality, and we, again, can walk them through Scripture and show how it's okay if you followed your your conscience, and we always obey God rather than men, but in your vocation as a military person, you know, this is what you're called to do. As you mentioned earlier, Kip, uh, you know, control violence. You are called to punish evil, and sometimes that may mean uh, taking a life. I keep thinking back in Vietnam, we had that horrible My Lai massacre where American troops slaughtered civilians. I think the thing that, that horrifies me over and above the act was that the soldiers under Lieutenant Kelly obeyed him. I think there were only two that refused the order. And then there was the, uh, of course, there was the helicopter that came by and stopped the massacre when the guy saw what was going on down there. And I can't help but thinking that these young troops, these young soldiers, lacked their moral direction. How could they have done something that was so obviously evil? Yes, sir. I'm not sure. I can't, obviously can't answer for them or other stuff, but I certainly know that that's the, you know, the temptation that we live in with, uh, you know, you're in an isolated situation. There's kind of groupthink going on, and it, it could easily, you know, just be swayed and, and trying to get vengeance or, or whatever, you know. And so it's a temptation that all of our troops do have to fight. And again, we are very clear, the commanders are so clear, talking about the rules of engagement and that we must obey only lawful orders, that it's okay to disobey an unlawful order. There may be some immediate consequences, but eventually the truth will set you free. So, Kip, I think what you're saying is that the chaplain has a huge part of that, along with all of our other Christian men and women who serve in the military to be a witness an example, and to never let something like that happen again, you know, to speak up and not remain silent when people go over the edge of, uh, of what they're allowed to do lawfully and legally. And then, of course, we did have the example of the uh, of the soldiers in the helicopter who actually landed the helicopter and placed themselves between Kelly's men and the, uh, the rest of the villagers, and even threatened open fire on them, on their own troops. Boy, what a horrible situation that was, and I just... How anyone can read a Bible and participate in that, 
I just it's just beyond me. There, there's an insanity there. There there is a, a possession. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes, I think what you're th- saying is, too, you know, it's hard, again, hard to to explain, but I think sometimes it can get caught up, and I don't know if you've worked with uh, teams, and we see some, some some of that stuff today sometimes where groups or mobs or gangs will do stuff to their neighbor when you think, how can they do that? You know, you're destroying someone else's life, property, and you're not, normally you'll hear people say, well, that's not me, or, you know, after it's over, or or whatever the excuse is, but the bottom line is we they get caught up in that uh, sinful action, and uh, yeah, I can't explain it. And you know, I guess we all have to just be humble enough to realize that that could be us someday. So we need to stay spiritually fit, to use that phrase again, to keep our bearings and our true north of what God wants us to do in our life, you yeah. know, loving Him and loving our neighbor, and, and speaking and defending our neighbor. And I think that is also what you're saying, Kip. Is there's not enough people. Well, that's a horrible example, but even today we still have people who aren't standing up and defending their neighbor. They remain silent because they don't want to be skylined or they don't want to be, you know, the next target. And so we just need to, as Christians, and, and I think that's where veterans, they'll be better if they can lead the way. They're used to leading and to stand up not only at, in the military, but now that they're American citizens retired or just out after they did their duty, to take a leadership role in our towns, in our cities, in our country, and to show that, hey, we can disagree and be civil and still do the right thing together. So I think veterans are a huge resource for that. We also have something known as the Barnabas Project. Can you go into that? Sure, absolutely. Operation Barnabas Project is actually a huge project that from the Ministry of the Armed Forces where we do help uh, with local congregations and, and chapters and groups to reach out to those who have served in the military and we use the word veteran uh, very loosely. We don't use it the same way that the government defines it. Our definition of veteran is anyone who has worn the, Navy, the uniform of our nation, whether it was two weeks or 40 years. If they serve our country, we want to make our congregations aware that that is a, a group of folks in their towns, in their communities, who many of them are unchurched and, and have lost the mission and purpose in their life. And I'm hoping through Operation Barnabas that we can reach out to those folks and remind them that they do have a mission and purpose in Christ, and we can bring the gospel to them by intentionally looking out in our own communities and saying, okay, what are veterans in our community need? Uh, and again, the whole sky is limited, and every community is different. But I know that every community in America, whether they have 20 worshiping a Sunday or 500, there are veterans who are unchurched in their neighborhood or need some kind of assistance or help. So what Operation Barnabas does is just try to be a network of care where we can share best practices, teach and encourage people to continue to look around their neighbors and find veterans and uh, take care of them, you know, from the physical needs, maybe an act of mercy, just helping them get to the VA. Maybe they're suffering from post-traumatic stress or maybe suicidal depression, or they just may simply be uh, homeless or maybe they may be functioning fine, but they don't see a meaning and purpose, so they don't go to church, they don't have any uh, kind of involvement, so... Operation Barnabas is a network of care to try to rally our congregations together to to meet that important need in our nation. What about the uh, Lutherans who have not served and perhaps are not aware of the stresses and the uh, problems of the veterans? What should they look for? Well, that's a good question because I think that's part of what we do with Operation Barnabas uh, in a congregation is that we will help train them and just give them a situational awareness, as we would say in the military, uh, these are some of the things that 
it's like to be in the military. We go through all the different cultures of all the different branches, some of the things, the trainings that they've seen or done, or and, and through that little training session, we kind of open the aperture so they can see, okay, I'm not a veteran, but I, now I can see how that, you know, that makes sense to me of why they react to that or that's how they were trained or disciplined. Um, so certainly we want to, everyone to know that you don't have to be a veteran to reach out to veterans. It's just that it's a, it is a unique culture and there's a bond there that sometimes getting veterans to veterans uh, in a ministry can really help expedite, uh, you know, just getting, getting to them because they understand each other. Well, I remember when I was a kid, we were one of the first people on the block to have a television set. And my dad had been uh, an army officer during the war. He fought in the Pacific. And one of our neighbors and his closest friend had been an enlisted Marine. And the two families would get together on Sunday and watch, I believe it was Victory at Sea. And that was the only time I ever heard my dad actually talk about the war. He and Mr. Krochevich would then talk about some of the experiences that they went through. Uh, I remember uh, Mr. Krochevich uh, had uh, had taken a grenade blast from a Japanese soldier and was still having splinters come out of his body every so often. My dad was in uh, the Philippines in Manila right after the, the liberation there, and um, you, you may well be aware that in the city of Manila, the, uh, the Japanese just devastated the city on their withdrawal. They massacred something like a quarter of a million people. And... This, I guess, was their decompression. You know, I like to say that uh, when my dad took off the uniform, he took off the war. But I'm not sure that's the case. No, you're right, Kip. And I think there's always that fine line. I guess that's kind of why it's important to just be open and, uh, with your with a veteran that you're talking to because everybody's story is different. Their experiences are different. You know, some have seen some pretty serious combat, some... Uh, Maybe not seen direct combat, but they were involved in a, a mission where people were killed. And then there's some that deserved and they didn't see any action at all in combat. And sometimes they even have issues because maybe there's a little guilt, too, that, you know, they were doing their job, but it wasn't, uh, you know, combat or or whatever it may be. So the important thing is for people when they're just, just ask them their story. You know, what did they do? How did they serve? And try to get them to open it up. Because as you mentioned, Kip, some people are dealing with some serious stuff in there. So we don't want to give the impression that every veteran is broken or mentally ill. I mean, they're coping uh, many ways because I like to believe and sincerely believe that it's because of their spiritual fitness, their faith, their identity in Christ, that they're able to go through a lot of these difficult uh, things that they've seen and done and help them on the road to recovery. Uh, so I guess your question is really to really get to know each individual and have them share their narrative, their story. Because it's all different. I mean, there's a lot of stuff the same. So one soldier talking to another soldier, they're going to get uh, make an immediate connection with all the culture of the army and you know training and that kind of thing. But then when you get into their personal story, you know, where did you serve? What did you do? What did you see? Not to you know grade one as hey that was more important than the other one, but really to see where did they come from? You know, what experiences did they have? Because regardless of where they are, there were hardships. There was separation from their families. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in their life. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, Kip, but I think the big thing is really it has to be on an individual basis and being sensitive to their story of what they're going through at the same time, not assuming that they're all just broken and you know aren't going to be able to make it. Well, going back to those who are on active duty, how do the chaplains help prepare these young men and women for what they may be facing? 
usually for every unit, because you're assigned to the unit as a chaplain, so you have all kinds of opportunities. They call them pre-deployment briefs. Um, there's also, you know, stand-down training. So you have all kinds of opportunities in small groups and with your unit. Talk about these issues. And mostly, you know, every service uh, branch has their core values or, or what they have. You know, the Navy and Marine Corps, which I know because that's what I served, was honor, courage, and commitment. So that's what the those are huge uh, words because now you can unpack those. What does honor look like? You know, to be moral and to do your duty. What does courage look like? You know, even in the, under fire or when no one's watching, to do the right thing. And then commitment. You know, you're going to follow through because you signed your contract, but you made a commitment to your buddies. And you know, each service branch has those kinds of core values, and that's where chaplain and small group sessions and one-on-one can unpack those and obviously bring them back to where even they come from. You know, even though it's not admitted too much on country anymore, but those are biblical values: <laughs> honor, courage, and commitment, and others before self. Um, we know what love looks like because we see Christ on the cross. That's what sacrificial love is. You know, as John even wrote, "No one, no one, love is." No greater love, as Jesus said, has anyone than to lay down his life for his friend. And obviously, military people get that. And so, it's a long way of answering your question, Kip, but I think it's an important one. Well, Craig, let me salute you for your service. Um, I, uh, I, I have not served, so I, I have to admit I feel some guilt about that. But uh, I certainly honor your service, and I salute you for it and thank you for it. Well, thank you, Kip, and and I want to address what you just said there because there are a lot of Americans who feel like you did it just because they weren't veterans, but then they feel like they can't. It's so important, Kip, that we are America, and those who are at home, those who continue to pray and remember our troops, whether they serving themselves or not, is so vital to uh, you know our people. We're all in this together, and so whether your vocation wasn't happened to be in the military, it was in another area and realm of. Uh, of serving us and helping us. And I think that's what a lot of Americans need to, to realize we're all in this together. And that's why I think veterans day is so important because it doesn't just highlight them as a special people. It really is just thanking them. And even if I wasn't able to serve, I could lift them up in prayer and support. Amen. Craig Mueller, the executive director of ministry to the armed forces, Lutheran church, Missouri synod. Thank you very much for being on my guest. Thank you, Kip. The Lord be with you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.